It's time for the 8 Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and former New Mexico State Aggie and Baltimore Ravens linebacker Jimmy Cottrell. Every Saturday morning, the guys will discuss the week's biggest sports stories, news and notes from around New Mexico, and unique insight on how to help get the most out of every athlete, from the pros to the weekend warriors and everyone in between. Now, here's Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and Jimmy Cottrell. Good morning, sports fans. Happy Saturday morning. Welcome to the 8th Grady Sports Show, ESPN Radio 101.7, The Team. I'm Jordan Heitzman alongside my co-hosts, Kevin Banks and Jimmy Cottrell, here every Saturday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Kevin, first, welcome back. Long time no see. I feel like yawning right now. Should oh I yawn? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> welcome back. Thank Two you. Two-week absence. Hey, I, know I you thought guys I, we were going to have to take you off the promo. That little intro video. Well, I don't know that promo, all these accolades with Jimmy Cottrell, all this, you know, <laughs> former pro New Mexico State, and it's just like, you know, you know Kevin Banks, Jordan Heitzma. Yeah, it's, it's mayor of Albuquerque. What are you talking about? Man, stop it. <laughs> 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 Can we put that in the promo next time then? That's no, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, fun, fun times. Got to see Willie Banks. Yeah. My brother. Yeah. New Zealand. New Zealand. Nice. How's he? He's doing great. Good. Good. You know, he took me to the stadium where he played professionally and, um, you know, got a chance to see all that world, which is which is really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Literally a different world. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. That's awesome. Did you did you shoot a little hoops in New Zealand? Man, I have footage. Yeah. Willie and I were on the same team. We played my son Ooh. and my niece, who got Ooh. married. That was the reason when we went out there. Okay. Um, sad to say, we got we got beat. <laughs> <laughs> I was cramping up a little bit. <laughs> I blamed it on jet lag. But uh, yeah, at least I, you didn't tear anything. Hey, yeah, right. this is true. Injury free is, the, is uh, the best part at this point. I can't say I didn't fake an injury, so we. But <laughs> <laughs> it was all good. Oh, that's awesome! Glad but to be back home, though. That's great. Missed you guys. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, we have a lot to unfold today. It's a, it's a great show. We have we have a legend in studio today. Um, you do it every week with me. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I don't kidding. know. I don't kidding. know about that. But I'm gonna pass the mic to you, Kevin, for a little intro. Hey, man, I am. Uh, you know, before I left. We had Jimmy in here, right? That yes, was, that was, that was our first. And I was, I was honored. Yeah. I was honored, and now he's a part of the show. But I got to say, Jimmy, I think I'm even more excited today. Oh, me too. Me too. I don't have any rings, man. No, yeah, two true. rings. Two, oh, two rings. Let's not say one. <laughs> two rings. <laughs> yeah, in studio, I, I'm excited because he's sitting right next to me, and I, you know, I can't say I'm starstruck because he's a good friend. We're dang near brothers at this point, but um, two-time NBA champion, 91 and 92, uh, 90-91 as well, played with, uh, I'm going to say Michael Jordan played with him. Yeah. How about that? I like that. How about I that? I like that way better. Right? Yeah. The man that coined the phrase, I'm going to do it. What time is it? I love that. <laughs> Game time. I love that. This man played at Wichita State University, of which he's a legend. Shockers. The Shockers. The Shockers, which, man, they've been doing great the last couple of years, but oh, we'll get into that later. Last decades, couple decades. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, I, I can't say enough about this gentleman, and I'm excited that he's here today. He's blessing us with his presence. Uh, the accolades go on and on, and we'll talk about that yeah. a little more. But Cliff Levingston, say it right, not Livingston. Cliff Levingston, Levingston is in the building, fellas. Cliff, how we doing? Man, I am great. I'm having a great week. Uh, I'm blessed. I mean, I even got a chance to see some snow when I'm this Ooh. week. So I'm, 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 yes, you know, sir. You know, I'm, you know, I live in the Midwest, so it was like, ooh, this is home. I, yeah, right. I felt, I felt good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're in Indiana. We usually get we oh, we usually get some snow at this oh, time of year. I, I'm in uh, northern Mich- uh, Indiana, in, and yeah. right on the lake, so I get all the lake effects. So it's like piles up on us so I, and I like it though but yeah. i love it i love the snow i told him give it a couple hours by this afternoon it's gonna <laughs> it'll be gone it'll be gone, gone. <laughs> he didn't believe me comes I down between me. eight and nine gone by 11 that's right and it looks like spring the next day that's oh right oh my gosh but cliff thanks for obviously being in studio but i want to kind of backtrack to your early childhood okay how'd right. you get in the game of basketball as a youth and and describe just that early onset of your kind of early playing career in general well you know what uh, it's hard to believe, but I hated basketball with a passion. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. I mean, I really did. Why I, is that? I, I wanted to be a pro baseball player. Okay. Oh. I wanted to play pro baseball, and um, my cousins and, and my uncles and 
we used to always go to the park. They'll play a game of basketball. And I'll be sitting on the side waiting for them to finish so we can play baseball. I mean, I, I did not like basketball. And it was uh, a coach who took interest in me and in the eighth grade, and he hounded my mother to come for me to come out for the team. I mean, I was only 5'11 at that time. Mm-hmm. And he was, I mean, he was on my mother because he knew my mother. He should come out and play basketball, and I, I didn't want to play. So he said, just go play to get this man off my back. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out for the team, and – Played. Uh, um, I, I played eighth grade one one on one, and I remember the championship game. I really couldn't. Um, I didn't play the championship game. I forfeited because uh, I didn't, my shoes tore up. Oh, and it wasn't my week for to get shoes, so I couldn't get shoes that week. You know, because uh, my mother was single parent with five kids, and she had to rotate that money. So. Uh, he he was he was asking me why you why why did you just come for the championship? Were you scared? I said no, I didn't have no shoes. And from that point on, he took he took a liking to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went to high school. This was I was in, I was in junior high school, and he went to high school. Well, he became the high school head coach. <laughs> so I thought I was done with basketball until he asked me to come out for basketball, and reluctantly I did it. Mm-hmm. And you know I, I I tell kids all the time. You don't really see what other people see in you. Mm-hmm. And when someone's taking interest in you and trying to help you see the, the potential you have, take heed to that. Yeah. Um, he took liking to me, and like I said, he had me come out for the team, and I um, reluctantly came went out for the team. I didn't really want to make the team, but I did want to make the team. You know, you, you, yeah. you want to go, but you really don't want to. If I don't make it, oh, it's okay. If I make it, okay. Yeah. You know, I had that kind of attitude, and you know, back then they posted the, the uh, on the on the locker room, you, on, on the PE teachers' uh, wall, uh, window. You read to see if you made the team, and I looked. I didn't make the team. I went home. You know, I was okay. I, I was sad, but kind of happy that I didn't make the team. But I was really kind of bummed out. And later in the evening, the coach came knocking at my door, and I'm like, I answered. He's like, uh. Where were you this afternoon? What happened? I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, why weren't you at practice? I said, I didn't make the team. He said, you didn't make the team. What list were you looking at? I said, looking at the JV. He said, no, you made varsity. Wow. So it was sometimes when we, we set our goals so low, mm-hmm. and so we have to start aiming higher to catch all the stuff in between. So, I, like I said, I, I, I end up, because when I started basketball, I was not as fluent as everybody, and I, everybody had all the flashy moves. How tall were you at that point? I, I, at ninth grade, I just became six feet. Okay. Wow. Okay. But I could jump out the gym. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I was very athletic. So, I, I, I remember my, 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 my um, first year in high school, the coach had two seniors, and they were Beat me up physically. I go one way, they one hit me. They go the other way, the other one hit me. And I used to get frustrated, want to fight every time. And he would stop practice. Nope, ain't no fighting in here. Ain't no fighting in here. And I never could understand why he let these guys beat me up every day for about a week. And then he said, Realize, I want you to realize they're not as fast as you. They don't they don't move like you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stand there and wait for them to beat you up. And that's when it started clicking. I started moving and doing things. And, and then he, he, he showed me a lot of things. You know, he, one thing he did tell me is don't worry about how flashy these guys are. Stay with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Fundamentals will take you past them so quickly. You'll catch up with them and you'll surpass them. And I didn't believe it. Like all kids, you don't believe it. But he would give me, you know, drills to do at, at, at the park. I go to the park. You know, uh, and I'm just sitting on the outside, just throwing rocks and kicking. You know, just playing. And then he asked me the next day, "You go to the park? You do you do the drills at the park?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did them." He said, "No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't." So, I, Cliff, man, that that just seems like a common story with a lot of guys that make it to the top. It's usually somebody else to see something in you. Yes. And your coach saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself, which led to 
you obviously going to Wichita State. Yeah, Cliff, tell us about the, the recruiting process and your experience at, at Wichita State. Well, I, honestly, it was like a skyrocket. Um, mm-hmm. By me doing the, the, by my fundamentals and me um, doing the things the coach wanted me to do, I, in, in three years, I became the top five recruited player in the state of California. California to Wichita, that's, that's quite a change. Yeah. Well, I, I, got recru- I got recruited by UCLA, SC, Berkeley, Cal Fullerton, all the San Diego State, all the schools. And, you know, San Diego State is right in my backyard because I grew up in San Diego. But I wanted to get out of California. Okay. I wanted to go elsewhere. I was looking at UNLV, Minnesota, Marquette, Wichita State, uh, Arizona. Wow. I mean, I looked at all those. Uh, those are the schools I was looking at. And it came all across the United States. All across States. the United States. Because I got a chance. My coach, what he did was he pushed me to go play basketball in camps. Kansas, uh, Georgia, uh, Arizona, uh, Nevada. I mean, I went all over playing basketball. And I got a chance to see basketball from different aspects. Where most kids just see their region and how they play here. Mm-hmm. He, he made sure I, I was well-versed in basketball. So when I went to Kansas, you know, I was like, okay, all right, I can do this. I went to Marquette, I mean, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota. And see, I went to Minnesota because one of my mentors was Dave Winfield. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So he would pick me up in, uh, from uh, school, and we sit and talk about life. Yeah. You know, uh, we didn't really talk a lot about basketball stuff. We just talked about life and where I wanted to be, what do you want to do, how you want to be. So – that was important to me because I never wanted to be looked upon as a, just a jock. Yeah. And most guys are jocks. They don't do nothing else. He was telling me to be well-rounded. Awesome. Well, it came down to Wichita State, UNLV. I chose UNLV. My mother said, no, you're going to Wichita <laughs> State. <laughs> Mama said, nope. Mama said, nope. nope. But, you know, uh, and that was around the time when um, – Ray Thetis had just left. Mm. Mm. They had Armand Gilliam. Uh, at the point, they had, um, oh, I can't think who was at the point, but they had a hell of a team mm-hmm. at that time. And like I said, I wanted to be part of that team. But, you know, then I, you know, I chose Wichita State because I, I met a guy, his name's Antoine Carr. Antoine. We met at these camps, all these little camps and stuff. And, he was talking about the schools that were recruiting him. I was talking about the schools recruiting me. And Wichita was the common school that recruited both of us. Mm-hmm. He said, man, wouldn't it be crazy if we go to Wichita State and we'd just be the best f- players to ever come out of Wichita State? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I never wanted to play basketball to play the pros. Yeah. I was just trying to get a, a college scholarship. That's all. So, you know, it's happened. We, we go to Wichita State. That was the best thing that ever could have happened. Um, this right school, right fit, right time. Mm-hmm. And I, I was very, very blessed to be able to play uh, with Antoine awesome. because he's from Wichita. Mm-hmm. It's a huge name there. And be be his uh, counterpart on the other side of the floor. It was it was phenomenal. It was magic. So those that haven't seen Antoine Corr, that he's a beast. He was a beast <laughs> back in the day. You have another alum, Xavier McDaniel, went to uh, – Wichita State as well, and see, we uh, Xavier McDaniel's came my my junior year, so I played one year with Xavier. Yeah, but we from the Wichita State uh, team went to the went to the pros as myself, Antoine Carr, Xavier McDaniel's, Greg Dryland, mm-hmm. guy named Aubrey Sherrard, and another guy named Tony Martin. Wow, so we had or and Elzell Jones, we had seven guys. That we pl- that I played together, went to uh, got drafted and went to the league. That's crazy. Oh, so speaking of drafting, so you got drafted by the <coughs> Detroit Pistons in '82, mm-hmm. and after two seasons, you were traded to the Hawks, which you played with legends all over the place. The Hawks, my favorite team growing up, by the way. Really? <laughs> my, oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, my favorite team growing up. I'm a Dominique nut. Ooh. Love Dominique Wilkins. Never asked Cliff a favor to give him a call. I might one day, but <laughs> Dominique was my guy. And then uh, from Atlanta, obviously. You play with Chicago where you got your two titles. Mm-hmm. You got to talk to us about that. I mean, when you talk about legends, you got Scotty, you got Horace, uh, so many guys that have gone through Chicago. But tell us a little bit about playing with 
uh, MJ and those guys? Well, first of all, I've played with six Hall of Famers. Good a lot old. of people can't say no. that they've played with six Hall of Famers. Uh-huh. They say they play against them, but right. never played with six Hall of Famers. Um, I've, I've, I've been, like I said, this my whole basketball career has been blessed with being in the right places at the right time and, more importantly, the right era. Mm-hmm. Um, the best yeah, era. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I played with uh, Isaiah Thomas, Dominique Wilkins, yeah. Michael and Scotty, Moses Malone. Wow. Legends. Dikembe Mutombo. And squad. It, man. You, you'll be surprised at the Hall of Famers. Each one of them have a different um, work ethic, different outlook on basketball, and just an outlook on life. And to be able to see all that and be part of that with them eight months a year, you know, you you're like you're like family. I mean, you you're doing everything together. Oh, absolutely. And my favorite team was the '87 Hawks. Was it by uh, far? Uh, Why is that? Well, we did everything together. We you, would, and what are you talking about? Like on the road, going to dinners, everything. things we like would, that. Okay. We would so meet for family. breakfast. We yeah. meet for breakfast. Okay. We go to breakfast. Then we go to practice. And in practice, we were going at each other. I mean, we were talking trash and just going at it. You know, <laughs> that's when you get that's right when, there. Yeah, because that's when I, we had Dominique Wilkins, Doc Rivers, Spud Webb. Oh my gosh! John Battle, Kevin Willis, my Antoine Carr, Tree Rollins. Oh. Um. Um. Who else we have uh, at, at the four? Uh, we 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 just had a. Heck of a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, the team, we did everything together. Mm-hmm. You know, for two years in a row, our first round draft pick couldn't make our team. That's crazy. For two years in a row, that's the talented roster, though. So, so we would we would have breakfast in the morning, practice, then we go to lunch, and then later on we go we meet up at the mall, hang out at the mall because back then that's the mall. Yeah, yeah the mall. Was, <laughs> that was the mall was the place to be. The mall was the place to be. Yeah, you go hang out on Amazon. You know, and then then after the mall. We go home, and then we hook up and go to the club, and yeah. we party like rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was nothing in Atlanta that we, we didn't we, do. Or we we didn't go. We won't ask follow up questions <laughs> to that one. No, no, we but, will not. No then, cell phones are evidence. And the crazy part <laughs> about yeah, no cell phones. True. Imagine. No Twitter, no Instagram videos. Oh. And then on the road, we would we would go to a city, and back then we traveled commercial. We flew commercial planes. Now they fly private planes. We flew commercial planes. So we would land, go to the hotel, yeah. and then we'd go to the movies or we'd do something, you know, go to bowling alley. We, we'd do things together mm-hmm. on the road. That's why that team was so close-knit and had so much fun, you know. And then on top of that, we were athletic as all outdoors. Our, our, our warm-ups was, like, ridiculous. Everybody come to the games just, just to, to see, see the warm-ups. warm-ups. Yeah. You know, Cliff, these guys, Jimmy and Jordan, they're a little bit younger. That was um that was a time where I was really focused in on the NBA and, and basketball, and you know I'm biased from that era because you guys had a game every night. It wasn't like you know you're gonna take off because you're playing Utah, you're playing this, and you were battling with the likes of Larry Bird in Boston. It mm-hmm. it was teams. It really wasn't you know we're gonna play LeBron tonight. Yeah, right. You're playing teams. You had to play New York. You had to play Chicago. I'm, and I'm talking when you were with Atlanta. You had to play all these teams, and you had to come with it. So I think what you're talking about was important to build that camaraderie and make sure you had a brotherhood going into it because you guys had to battle every night. Well, you know, and, and you know, it, it it cracks me up with the load management thing because yeah, I was I, I wanted to say, what's your opinion on that? I think it's a crock. Yeah, but also the culture is different because mm. back then in the summertime. We had barnstorming. We would all get together and play in the summer in different places. We would go play, you know, we may be in um, in North Carolina. We may be in Detroit. And we also played in all the summer leagues. Mm-hmm. Wow. The summer leagues were not like the NBA summer league. This is like you had summer league in Houston. All the pros played in. You had summer league in Detroit. They played in. Summer league in Atlanta. They played in summer league in L.A. See, so the summer league in L.A. was kicked off the NBA summer league mm. because we used to play at Loyola Marymount. Well, Magic, everybody played in that summer league. And now I think the frustrating thing is, is 
we can't sometimes even get guys that want to play now for the Olympics. Oh, I know. And represent your country. Well, and, you and know, now you're saying that guys are basically uh, basically brawling inside, you know, a gym in the summertime, and these guys don't even want to be at the hard. highest level. Well, you know, it's because of the collective bargaining agreement okay. and the owners. Right now, they have so much money on the floor. Yeah. If a guy goes down and and, and tears a, a ACL or something, he's out for the season. Yeah, that very kills good point. Him. So that's the difference in it. But we played. When I say we played all summer, you take two weeks off. From as soon as you finish playing, you're back in the gym. You're playing. And when I say you go to, you kept your sneakers in the car <laughs> because if you ro- drive down the street, you see if somebody's playing, you're going to stop and go play. Yeah. That's how we play. Now, so everyone can understand, I want you guys to picture this. Okay. Okay. These guys, as soon as the season's in, they don't play until about three weeks before the season starts, they start getting in the gym. Mm-hmm. Their bodies, Go from nothing to playing. So you're going from – that's why in preseason you don't see a lot of guys playing because they're injured sure. or something because you're going from zero to 60. And <clears throat> something's going to give. And that's what – with us, we play year-round. So our body was already conditioned. You know, we, we, we're older. We understand your body's going to do whatever your mind tells it to do. Sure. sure. If your mind is conditioned, to, you know, we got to go. I got to make sure I'm staying ready. I'm – so your body will be that way. These guys don't. They they, they have the, you know their social media, they um, their endorsements. They doing here. They doing everything but basketball. What made us so much better is every summer you work on something that you were missing during the season. Yeah. If you think about Jordan, Jordan got better and better and better because each each year he came back with something else. It's like, oh, he, he got improved. another weapon. Yeah. He got another weapon. How can I stop this guy? As soon as they figure out what to do on this one, he's already working on something else. Same thing with us. We, we always worked on, okay, you was missing that mid-range shot. I'm working on a mid-range shot all summer. And you work on that summer. You may, guys may be beating you or doing something better than you. And, you know, you always had that one guy who's like, man, I tore him up on the playground. <laughs> he wasn't all that. But, we're working on our skill set. Yeah. We don't care about you beating me on on cause cause come uh cause come October, November, I'm gonna be on the NBA court. You're gonna be watching me. Right. So it don't matter what you feel and how you feel you beat me. Yeah. So that was the that's the difference. And that's just, so low low management is because these guys' bodies and are and, ment- and mental capacity is not yeah. strong enough. You know, I remember my first year in the league. You know, we 82. I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing 32, 34 in college. We come out in Detroit. I remember the January. I'm like, damn, we got 50 more games. <laughs> <laughs> I was done. I mean, you, that's why most guys their first year is because it's overwhelming because you got 82 games. That's a lot of games. Now they're trying to cut the games down. Now. This is my this is my thing that eight cut it down. We want to cut it down twenty games. Right. Are you gonna cut your salary down twenty games? True. Right. Because advertising True. are paying for eighty two yeah. games. Yep. Yeah. So so that means you got to cut your salary down for twenty games. And most guys are, are don't realize that that's what they ask for the twenty games. But if their salaries go down, they'll change that their mindset. Yeah. The, the thing that I didn't like about the the load management thing was I didn't like that rule with now like Embiid mm-hmm. not being able to win MVP because he forced himself to play, I think, like two weeks ago yes. and then ended up getting hurt. I don't really like that rule, but again, I think basketball is, is now changing and yeah. it's it's back in your day it was it was the hey, we need to lace it up, man, because <laughs> we gotta go, you know, and, and now it's it does get a little soft. How much yeah. of that do you think is the the AAU culture now? The AAU culture. Just playing games instead of practicing, being well, the, getting shots up. It's, hey, we're going to go play all these uh, games. Point, real quick. My, 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 my thing on AAU is that we've got away from teaching these young people the game. Correct. Now we do. We just get the best players and let them play. Stack the team. And then yeah. that's all it is. It's not more, no more teaching. Back then we were teaching. Uh, like I said, my AAU team was myself, Byron Scott, uh, Leon Wood, Man. Darren Day. <laughs> Um and uh, Greg uh, Greg Kite. Oh. That was my right. AU team. So but awesome. we weren't that good though. But we were learning how to learning. be good. Yeah. No, that's awesome. 
All right. Well, we'll we're going to head into commercial break. When we return, we'll dive into awesome new developments happening right here in Albuquerque with two-time NBA champion Cliff Levingston. This is the Eight Grady Sports Show, ESPN Radio, one hundred one point seven. The team. Let's get back to the Eight Grady Sports Show with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and Jimmy Cottrell on ESPN Radio, one hundred one seven. The team. Welcome back to the 8 Grady Sports Show. I'm Kevin Banks. Catch Jordan Heights with Jimmy Cottrell and myself every Saturday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. here on ESPN Radio 1017. The team, we are just ecstatic. We're hearing some great stories. Of the <laughs> two-time <laughs> NBA champ, Clifford Eugene oh, oh Levinson. What time is Oh, my God. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Had to say the entire name, Cliff. Now, for those that don't know, Cliff is a new resident of not only New Mexico, but specifically the Rio Rancho area. Yeah. Yep. Since Monday. Wow. Officially. Officially. Monday. I got to go get my driver's license changed. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's uh, not you know, say. the average height of New Mexicans here, especially males, is like 5'8", so they might need to make some adjustments <laughs> when they take that picture. Well, I, I'm, I'm learning that because my counters are like 5'2". <laughs> Hold yeah. on. With being so my, new, I have to ask because everyone would, would ask me this. Red or so, green. Red or green. Either it doesn't matter. Both of them. Okay. Okay. Both of them. Okay. All right. Doesn't matter. Okay. okay. Hey, Angela, my wife, uh-huh. did make Cliff some red chili enchiladas and green chili mm-hmm. enchiladas. Yeah. Like we welcome a, and a they, guy and, in, and in I town can't right now. Angela they can't put spicy. together anything for us. They were some spicy enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> they were some spicy <laughs> enchiladas. But were they good? They were good. All, all right. Good. Well, now you know it's like this. You know, I love I love spices. I love all kind of spices. I love the heat. Yeah. You know, just it's just that you know he's hot going in and hotter coming out. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's where I Kadumba comes from. <laughs> hey Cliff, you're here. You're a new resident. You got to tell us what's going on. What brings you to New Mexico specifically, Real Rancho? The news is exciting. I know there was a press release. Some folks do know, but let give us some insight on why you're here. What's going on? Well, I'm here to. Uh, launch a new pro team that's um, coming to New Mexico, uh, specifically Santa uh, Santa Ana um, Pueblo area and Rio Rancho. So this is a new team. The league's been around for seven years. I've coached in the league for three years, and I helped build a team in Kokomo, Indiana. Kokomo. Kokomo, Indiana. And I love Kokomo. The, the team I helped build uh, became a staple and a model for the league how to build a team so i i, I got blessed by the owner which is a, a, a longtime friend of mine really and uh, a female that that owns the team she's majority owner of the team she asked me you know to help her put together a team and help her develop her her, her brand and i end up being a consultant and then the head coach and the gm so, wow. so I'm 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 all in on this. I mean, and and coming here to New Mexico, especially Albuquerque, is so much possibilities for for uh, a team, a basketball team, to strive and and be productive. Uh, sure. And and the whole thing is my whole concept when I teach how to build a basketball team. It starts off in the community first. We're very, very community orientated. We are. Um, I want to get into finding community centers, schools, um, I, whatever activities. I want to get us uh, get us out in, in the community and be involved in the community. It's about finding out what the community needs, not what you want from the community. Once you find out what the community needs, they're behind you. But until you can find out and get involved in the community, you're just another running the mill, team trying to come in here, trying to make money off of us, and leaving. Well, we're not like that. So, Cliff, I I know the TBL and doing research about the TBL, talking with you in regards to the TBL, um, the owners, uh, Evelyn and Dave Magley, they do a wonderful job by making it about the players, making it about the community, and you've been kind of the go-to person when it comes to that. You're very community-centric. What you've done for Kokomo is, is... bar none, just exceptional. And I know that your mission is to do the same here. And that's kind of what you're touched on, what you've touched on. You've brought in players from, from out of state, but you've also 
incorporated not only local staff but um, a couple of uh, indigenous players as well. This morning, um, I know you had uh, a lot of guys that flew in. You started your training camp, and that's going to go on for the next few games. Just talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that process. What does that look like? Well, I always look from within first, uh, the community, from hiring staff, hiring ball boys, uh, uh, entertainment. It all has to start at home. And matter of fact, right now I'm trying to find, I'm letting you guys know, I'm looking for an equipment manager to, to handle all the equipment. That's a call out. It's a call out, call out. But I look at local first. Um, I, we're we're going to have an indigenous player on the team. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping to have a couple of locals. I mean, I've did uh, trials for local guys, and I'm looking for local talent first. And then now I've broadened my net. Now everyone else, I'm bringing guys in from from all over. We, we start training camp Saturday at the um, – which this, this 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 Saturday this Saturday well, tonight mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. at the Tamiya Wellness Center, mm -hmm. um, and we have probably about sixteen guys from um, out of state and eight guys from in state coming for workout. At, uh, we're gonna have twelve on the team, so basically, everyone's vying for twelve for eleven spots. So describe a little bit of once the season kicks off, like what do like what? What is the time frame of games? Like the months? Is there a playoffs? Could we have a chance to host playoffs? Things like that for for obviously our listeners. Well, um, play. Yeah, we we play. It's a three month season. Okay. From um, March to May, uh, and we play Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. You know, we play two games a week: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we go on the road, and we travel on the road. We we travel as far as Little Rock, Arkansas. Is that the conference? Like we're in a conference. Yeah, our co our okay. conference is it's four conferences. Okay. Well, really, well, yeah, four conferences. It's the the Western Conference, upper and lower. Mm -hmm. Then you got the Central Conference. Then you got the Midwest, upper and lower. And then you got the Eastern Conference, upper and lower. So, and you know, my team has been in the top six. Of the of the uh, the league, the last three years, and it's been as many as forty two teams in the league. Wow! Right now, it's um, forty, no, thirty eight teams right now. Thirty eight teams this year, and I, I've I've tried to build a team, like I said, a team that that's everyone contributes. Uh, you know, our playoffs, our playoffs are you playing. Local, your 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 division, you're close by, and then you play your division, then you play your region, and our region would be California, and then the championships will be played, you know, um, wherever. I mean, and how the format is, the the higher seed goes on the road first, and then they got two games at home, wow. and it's the best two out of three. Wow. So, Cliff, I know, you know, there's there's been other leagues that have come to Albuquerque, uh, other teams that have been erected. And I know it takes a lot, putting a team together, bringing guys in, you need staff, so on and so forth. Um, you created something in Kokomo where it, where it was pretty much a flagship organization. Yes. And I know that your mission is to do the same here. How do you do that? What does the ownership look like? What are your partners looking like? Uh, what what all entails in, in getting this whole thing going? Well, first of all, you have to have owners that, that are understanding what you're trying to do. And basically, you're trying to give these young men an opportunity to go to the next level. You know, I, I, I look at it as this is a base, basement level mm -hmm. trying to get upstairs. Um, we feed into the G League, the European League, the Canadian League, and overseas. Uh, right now, uh, I've helped got four guys overseas playing, making six figures. And our budget really is not that high. I mean, you know, you know, anywhere from three thousand a month to a thousand a month. So, but that's in terms of player salaries. Player salaries, yeah, mm -hmm. player salaries. So you're basically uh, what I'm doing is trying to teach these guys what they need to know to get to the next level. And, you know, I call it teaching them how to get to the next bag. And they understand when you say bag, they understand that very well. So whether it's – and the league is about community and 
helping these guys get to the next level. So, you know, like I said, we have a talented guys. We had one guy who made it to the league, but, you know, I'm not going to say his name because uh, he ended up ruining it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he ended up ruining his opportunity. But he got he came from this league to play in the NBA. And, you know, uh, it was – this is a great league because it's it's built on the fundamental of teaching the game again. So – I'm sorry, Jordan. I, I jump in. Go I ahead. Just I get to excited. Get into a little bit of the coaching <laughs> aspect of it. Of what can we expect from a Santa Ana Thunder team, coached by by obviously Cliff Lewis? <laughs> well, you know what? Um, one thing I pride myself on is our defense. The last three years, our team has been the number one defensive team in the league. I like that. The league averages about one twenty to one twenty eight a game. We only give up ninety seven points a game. So. That was that's the, my biggest thing. What I, I I never say how my team is going to be or what kind of style I'm going to have until I get my players. Once I get my team, I form my style of play, offensive play around what I have. Defensively, I don't care what team I got. We're gonna, we're gonna play some defense. <laughs> we are playing defense. Hey, I, Cliff showed me the other night his Kokomo playbook. And I sat there while we were watching the Super Bowl, flipping through this playbook. It's just phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, the organization and just going through offensive schemes, defensive schemes, uh, inbound plays, you name it, it's in there. And I was just, you know, taken back a little bit by the organization in which he conducts himself as a coach. Because at that level, I don't think a lot of people realize how much preparation goes into being a coach at the pro level. And then you have that. Uh, that weight of making sure that you have that responsibility of getting these yes. young men to the next level as well. So you as a leader must be prepared. And if you're not, how does that impact those kids? So I, I just got to applaud you on what I've seen. Well, you know, I, I, I take pride in, in being prepared, um, being ready, not only just on the, on the court, but off the court. My relationships extend all over the United States and out of the country. So if I see a kid, whether he's plays for me or he doesn't play for me, if I can feel he can get to the next level and he's ready for the next level, I will help him get to the next level by making phone calls for him, opening up doors for him. I've gotten nine, eight guys G League look, look, uh, workouts. Now, <laughs> there's two different lookout looks when you go to these combine camps. There's the general cattle call, and then there's the private workouts with the working out in front of the GM and the, the head coach and all that stuff. Those are the ones I get guys to, you know, those are special, but I will not put my name on someone because I have so many invites. I don't use them unless I feel that they're qualified or they're ready for that because just filling spots is not what they're looking for. They're looking for quality guys and then they won't give me those spots anymore. If I'm sending them garbage do garbage dog <laughs> you know they they won't so so my my name carries a lot of weight when i do that and i and i and i utilize my name in a certain way well, it's kind of funny i've been with cliff uh whether it's been at lunch or breakfast and he might be on the phone i think we we're on the road one time i don't know where we were <laughs> and he's over there talking to this person which i'm like i can't believe he's talking to this guy like i used mm -hmm. to watch this guy on tv <laughs> so i mean it, it's interesting his reach is is true so i would love to play or get an opportunity to play for somebody like cliff i i just want to circle back before we move on mm -hmm. uh we also have from what we talked about and what i know is uh the first minority female african-american uh team owner can yes, you talk yes. a little bit about that please well um her name is ingrid hutch she's she's out of la but she, in her heart, she's, she's one of those, she loves basketball. And her, her heart was in this. She wanted to bring a team here to be successful. And, you know, um, her background is the political field. So, you know, she knows a lot about the politics and everything. But she's true to the game. She's going to put her all in it. And she makes sure that we have the resources and the financial backing and and everything we need to be successful so with this team being successful it's going to come down to the team that i build out for her and all i can say is this gentleman right here next to me you know you called him the mayor earlier 
uh, <laughs> Mr. Banks. He has been a wealth of information to help steer me in the right direction to find the right people to build this out. And like I said, it's about your team you put together. Yeah. And, and I do but firm believer in, in everyone has to be put together organically and understand their roles. When you understand your roles and everyone understands what they need to do to bring something to the table, that's how I build my team. When I build my team, I look at what I need to build this team to be successful. If I'm, I need someone who's going who's gonna to be my, my go-to guy, I'm going to have a go-to guy. I'm going to have a guy who, who compliments him by on the defensive side, another guy who may be a rebounder. So once you understand what everyone does and you start meshing their talent together, you have a, you have a winning program. Well, and what I like about it, Kevin and, and Jimmy, I know we talk on a daily basis of you know each show. We see how packed the pit is for, yes. for basketball games, and, and it's at a different level sometimes of the support that New Mexico brings to their basketball. And that's why I'm excited about this, uh, you know, Cliff, and, and you know the, the whole Santa Ana Thunder organization, because I do think if we do this right from a community aspect and, and back this, it can go to, to extremely high heights. Well, you know, see, you know? see I'm a firm believer. I, I like to build. Uh, I, don't, I don't try to wow everybody with excitement right now. I need everything right now. I like to build the excitement. You know, when you build it, you appreciate it. You, you know the, the, the grind you had to do to get the, some, the bumps and the bruises, the, the disappointments. But this team, I don't expect to be successful year one. But yeah, by year three, I think we uh, gain our own traction. And it's not competing with the with the, with the UNFM. I want to I want to bring some of those players on board with what we're doing to help them get to the next level as well. Most definitely, Cliff. I appreciate you, man. I'm excited about everything that's going to happen with the team. I'm excited that you're a newly anointed and appointed <laughs> New Mexican, red and green. You're going to be trying to grow chili out in Indiana. Watch. I bet you like this golf weather, too. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't wait because usually we don't start golfing until uh, May. Yeah. I get a little bit earlier. Well, thanks again, Cliff. We really appreciate you being in studio. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. All right, we're going to head to a commercial break. When we return, we're going to dive back into and wrap up the Super Bowl from last weekend. Um, When we return to 8 Grady Sports Show right here on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Let's get back to the 8 Grady Sports Show with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and Jimmy Cottrell on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Welcome back to the 8 Grady Sports Show. Jordan Heitzma here with Jimmy Cottrell and Kevin Banks. ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. Catch us every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. here on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. Jimmy, let's let's dive into a little bit of Super Bowl recap. Uh, it was a heck of a game, uh, a lot to unpack a little bit. But overall, what what was your analysis of the game? We talked last week on on set that you know what what is the Niners going to do with Brock Purdy? How is Mahomes and Kelsey going to attack this Niners defense? Things like that. Overall, give me your take on the game. So again, just a great game. Anytime it goes into overtime in the second Super Bowl to to go into overtime, you know, get some extra football. It's fun to watch. Um, both teams battled. I mean, I don't think uh, uh, you can lay, you know, say one team laid an egg or gave it up. I think uh, exactly what we talked about. You can't count the Chiefs out. And uh, they had that championship DNA that kind of rose to the surface and took them to victory that late in the game. I mean, as you got later into the game, they took over, you know, and Shanahan uh, deciding to take the ball in, in overtime. I was going to ask. Does, does, I, I was going to ask. A, a, an advantage? Again, we, we talked last week on on the set that, that this was a crucial game for Shanahan. You make a little bit of mistakes like that. You then have this week where defensive coordinator gets fired, things like that. They're kind of hitting the panic mode a little bit. Does that – is that – you know what? What does it look like for Kyle Shanahan moving forward? You know, here into the next year and, and the following, if he doesn't get this Super Bowl ring with a talented roster. Well, I'd, I'd read an article that was uh, basically comparing Shanahan to where Andy Reid was when Reid was in Philadelphia. Mm. Right? Reid made it to the four or five NFC Championship games in a row. Finally breaks through, makes it to the Super Bowl, and loses to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, Shanahan's made it to the Super Bowl. He's just on the cusp, right? Um, so I, I, I think in this game, I think the only strategic error you can kind of put on Kyle Shanahan is that decision to kick off in overtime. I think there was confusion. I think there was too, but to his credit, one, they didn't really discuss it as a team, which I, I think is a mistake, right? The Chiefs had, 
You know, in other teams, you go sure. through the most Prep. obscure, yeah. you know, incidents that could occur, and to be prepared for him, he didn't really prepare his team for that. Do you think he, he just didn't strategy. know the rule? No, no, because he came out and he said he had a strategy. He wanted the ball third, right? He he okay. expected mm-hmm. that they were going to go down and score. Mahomes was going to match him. He wanted the score for sudden death. He wanted to be able to go down and just kick a field goal. Because then sudden death meaning you can, if so, it's a score, score, and then you get the yep. ball third, it's basically you kick a field, yep. field goal. Both teams the get, a, get a position um, to, to score, and then that after that it becomes sudden death. And that's what he was basically banking on. Hey, hey we want to go down and score. Mahomes is going to match us at the very least. I, I think the strategic error in that is if you take the ball second, you play four downs all the way going down the field. That's right. right? Or you play for a touchdown, or you go for a two-point conversion Instead of just matching, you have the opportunity to win it. Because didn't Chris Jones say that that yeah, they were going to go for two that was regardless? Their, that was our, yeah, they, that was they were going to kick off if they won the toss because they wanted the ball second. And if they scored a touchdown after the 49ers had, they were going to go for two. They were going to be the, the wow. aggressive one. So it, it, it's a tiny detail, right? But I think that's the only strategic error Shanahan made. I think he coached a great game. I think Brock Purdy played great. There were a couple throws he missed, um, but he never put them in position to lose the game. He never made a horrible mistake. Right? Go, going off of Brock, mm-hmm. do you, because he's about to get paid, and it, it it all depends on what category you put him in. Sure. Is he going to get the big-time money of the top tier? Is he going to get the second tier? Because the guy played, a like, honestly, a really, really clean game. Solid. Sure. And um, I'm, I'm curious the direction that's going to sure. go. Because also, too, he's not that flashy type of player. He's right. not Mahomes. Right. He's not Mahomes. Well, it's funny. You get into those contract negotiations, right? And then the, then everything flips. Then the players and the uh, agent are advocating for how great of a player you are looking <laughs> off the stats. And then the team turns around and says, well, you're just a game manager. <laughs> so, I don't think he's not going to set the market, right? He's not going to get Mahomes' money. He's not going to get uh, Jalen Hurts' money, anything like that. I do think he's going to be towards the bottom of that top tier because if you look at him statistically, there's nothing you can knock. I mean, over 800 win percentage, right. touchdown to uh, interception ratio is completion percentage. Um, but he, he doesn't have the pedigree, right? He wasn't a first-round pick. Um, and I think, again, the, the Niners are going to turn around and say, well, yeah, but if you're not throwing to Ayuk and to Debo and having Christian McCaffrey, maybe you're not putting these numbers up. I, uh. and, I, and I hate the game manager I thing. I, I hate the game manager <laughs> thing. Okay, uh, he's going to drop back and get it to one of his playmakers. If it's a, if it's a five-yard pass, who cares? No. The guy's going to go from five yards to turn it into 60 yards. No. Who cares? You know. Well, and I think that was one of the things that the D, uh, Chiefs defense did a tremendous job of was tackling right they didn't get the yeah. yard after catch of those big exactly. runs um so again i mean the chiefs played a great game 49ers defense dominated early you know that first half they, they looked almost unstoppable um but the chiefs made a couple tweaks started running the ball more successfully in sure the, in, in the yeah. second half especially as you got to the fourth fourth, fourth quarter in overtime yeah um and then just found a way i thought it was funny that it was the same play from Last year, corn dog. Exact right? same corn dog. Play. Corn dog back out. Exact like, same. Why can't anyone stop that? Hey, man, Andy Reid breaks out at the right times. You know, Jeez. getting late. They they rush to to get to the line, right? And I think that was another point of uh, concern or confusion was the time running out. Where even I was concerned. I thought you had a score by the end of that first period, or it went over. It, Effectively, it was just like a quarter. That, that, so that's a great point. They just would have expired and gone to the other side. That's a right. great point because honestly. Um, Tony Romo explained that to us in the broadcast because I had no idea. I was like, what is going on? Even the announcers after the game when I was watching the post, uh, I think it was it was someone that was talking about why why was the clock yeah. continuously on, running? On like everyone was so Berman. yes, yeah. so everyone was so confused, and I was like, if Tony Romo didn't say something in the in the live broadcast, I would have been so so confused. Well, and then looking it up, apparently, if it's an outdoor stadium. Right there, there could be wind or sun or something. So that's why they basically do the quarter. So then you could flip it and go the other direction. So okay. one team doesn't have an advantage. But if it's indoor, why why even time it? Like True. Take, take the time off, run run a game uh, play clock, and just let them keep going. So they likened it onto basketball with the Elam ending. Okay, that's what they were talking about. Yeah, to make it exciting, so on and so forth. So I thought that was a good analogy. And I, that's and that's like you hit a certain point in basketball. That's correct. Right? Talk, clock is removed. Yeah. So it's, it's like just first one to a hundred. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. I love that they give both teams a possession. Yeah. I yes. hated the old sudden death overtime rule because whoever won the coin toss won, especially if you could kicker. All you got to get gets to the forty and he kicks just a fifty-seven kick yard it. field goal. Um, so to give both teams, I love college footballs. Yeah. Um, personally, but just the fact that both teams have a chance to possess the ball, I think, makes it more equitable, more, more fair, and, and more exciting. R- right? r- more real football. quick, Jimmy, what is the Chiefs moving forward? 
do they look for a three-peat? Do you think that they they have the the manpower? Obviously, we don't know the Chris Joneses of the world that has, has a contract sure. coming up, things like that, but do they have the opportunity to three-peat? It's uh, tough. I, 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 yes, they have the opportunity to. Um, it's it's tough. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, and you see this with, with basketball, with, with all sports. Mm. When you play so many deep seasons, I mean, you're adding a full season the miles. onto your body and onto your, you know, the, the cumulative effect of it's that. It's the miles on the body. Um, so to be able to do that over you know, three, four years, I, I don't know. Plus, I mean, you got to be locked in right now. And they saw this year, they got everybody's best shot mm-hmm. um, and didn't handle that very well. You know, during the regular season, they turned it on in the postseason. Uh, what happens now with Travis Kelsey being on tour with with Taylor Swift for the next three months? You know, like are are they locked in and ready to prepare and put in the work that it takes? Because everybody's it's, gunning for him. You you um, see, I would the, love to see it because I think it is a true dynasty and and, and they're history. capable of it. Um, but a lot's got to go right for you. You know, got to be lucky. You you see that right. in the NBA too of just that that the celebratory uh, summer oh, yeah. that you have and and it's just it's that hard like let's kick it into Turns reset into quick mode off season and like I, I would know yeah. as a professional athlete but like you spend the 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 summer or the you know the postseason months of I don't want to train I want to celebrate you know and and then that's when teams open up the year and it's like oh shoot a quick zero and two you, you know that lag right you have that lag. When, when you think about it, everybody that's been at their season's done, been out of the playoffs, have already had their vacation. I know Zach Gentry's working out with yeah. Nate Grady's. He's, yep. he's back to getting ready. These guys are going to take another on the two, three, four weeks. Yeah. You know, be celebrating, <laughs> right. Before they start getting back into it, you know, can, can you turn it around? Jimmy, you're going to like this. My prediction next year, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, I hope so. Already? God, we, oh, my God. We've got to get over it. the hump. Got to get over the hump. Yeah, that's right. I, I think there's well, something to prove. Well, awesome show today. We, we, we enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Um, just great stuff overall. We're going to wrap up this week's A-Grady Sports Show. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Catch us, Kevin Banks, Jimmy Cottrell, myself, Jordan Heitzman, next Saturday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. on the A-Grady Sports Show, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Thank you for listening to the 8-Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and former NFL linebacker Jimmy Cottrell. Come back every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. for the latest news and analysis from every corner of the sports world.